Okay, good morning, everyone. Morning. So, just to bring you back from conversations. Uh, so, yeah, as Dave said, my name is Peter, and uh, I, have, I have the privilege this morning uh, of speaking to everyone and continuing on in our journey through Psalm 23. Can everyone hear me okay? All good? Fantastic. Okay. So, um, back in August... Uh, a team of us uh, took the youth of uh, Open Door camping to New Day. Um, Dave's already mentioned, and the sign-up sheet's at the back for, for next year. But it was, it was fantastic. It was an awesome time, uh, worshipping with thousands of young people, amazing teaching, fantastic seminars. We had an absolute blast, as well just hanging out with our amazing youth. It was great. Uh, we took our children with us. I've got a two-year-old, Joseph, and a four-year-old, Bethany. And Bethany went to the kids' work uh, each day, uh, which she called Tent School, uh, which is very cute. So she went there, uh, and one day she came back with this song that I'm going to sing to you now. Uh, so it goes, la, 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 the Lord is my helper. La, 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 the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. No, no, I will not be afraid. Why on earth have I just sung that to you? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Going, Woo! Yeah, yeah, it's a good song. Well, first reason is it's it's cute, and I wanted to share it. Um, another reason is it actually quite nicely summarises Psalm 23. Uh, Mark showed us last week how that central bit of the psalm uh, is around uh, the Lord being our helper. The Lord, um, we're, we're not afraid because God is with us, and it's just good truth. And probably the main reason I wanted to sing it to you is because it's a bit of an earworm, like it gets in your head, the tune follows you around, and it's good truth, and uh, if it's in your head for the rest of the week, well, you're welcome. <laughs> so, um, so this morning, uh, I would love for us to get excited about what it is that Jesus has done for us, what is available for us uh, when we live a life with him at the center. Are you up for that? So we'll be looking at the really rich imagery in uh, verse 5 of Psalm 23. Um, so let's start by reading the psalm together. Can you see that okay? Yep, fantastic. If you can, it helps to stand up. Uh, so if you want to stand up and we'll read it all together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Please be seated. So in, we're going to be looking at verse 5, and in the NIV, I'll just read it again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. 
So, so far in our journey through this psalm, we've seen that we are compared to sheep. David, the writer of this psalm, compares us to sheep. We're helpless unless our shepherd leads us. Um, we've seen that he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, and we've no reason to fear because he's with us, protecting us and guiding us. And now it seems we've got a feast before us. So there's a bit of a, bit of a change of imagery, a bit of a change of gear. Um, so, you know, we've gone from sheep, Lord guiding us, refreshing us, protecting us, and now there's a table being laid before us. There's anointing for our head. There's an overflowing cup. And it's a, it's a picture of hospitality, isn't it? It's a picture of abundance and of generosity. I... <laughs> I love hospitality. I really actually enjoy hosting. I love having people in our house, and I love having them uh, feel welcome in our house. Um, I'm not particularly good at the preparation side of things. You prepare a table. I'm not great at that. However, I'm married to Ruth, and she is excellent at it. She does, yeah, whoop for Ruth. Um, she does the cooking at our, in our house. She's really good at it. Uh, and when we have people over, she's mindful of who's coming. She's mindful of uh, what they like, what their particular needs might be. She's sensitive to what they might like. Uh, and as an example of this, we've got a really good friend that we've known for years and years and years since childhood called Anna. And in her adult life, our friend Anna, she found out that she's gluten and dairy intolerant. So when we have Anna and Matt over for dinner, uh, we need to think about, okay, what is actually going to cater to Anna's needs. Now, Anna really likes food. She's particularly a big fan of Cadbury's dairy milk. So when she found out she couldn't have it, it was a, it was a big blow for her. Uh, she was really upset. So I love it. When we have Anna over and uh, Ruth says, here's this really tasty thing. It smells really nice. Oh, and Anna, you can have this. You see a little face light up. Uh, she's really chuffed about it. Um, and so I love that image because it actually shows through the provision, through the preparation and the thoughtfulness, it shows Anna how much we love her, how much we value her and, and how much preparation has gone in beforehand. And this picture, Psalm 5, has God preparing a feast for us. He takes his time to consider us individually. He takes time to to, to know you personally, and he does it joyfully because, because he loves you. He wants you to know that he loves you. He considered you before the foundation of the world. Uh, in the youth recently, up there, we've been teaching about uh, the threads, the storylines woven through the Bible, and it's, it's, actually, it's really, really exciting. Um, so, who knows that the story of the Bible is like one cohesive whole from beginning to end, and there's all, there's all sorts of um, lines of dialogue and all sorts of threads that go through. You only need to look at the, the beginning of the Bible uh, when mankind sort of, um, they're in the garden and uh, the, the world is broken, and God says that the seed of the woman's going to um, crush the head of the serpent. There's like an echo of Jesus right there. And we've been looking at this um, and other threads through the Bible in our youth. And it's actually amazing that all through the prophets and all through the Old Testament, you see these hundreds of different threads that all culminate in the person of Jesus, 
in his death and subsequent resurrection and through into eternity, the birth of the church, it's, it's amazing. And you see all these, all these links and everything. It's really exciting. God's a planner. <laughs> he figured it all out in advance. You know, right from the beginning, all the way through, all the way to the end. He has, he's the master planner. And he's figured out exactly where you sit in his big story. He knows you personally, and he knows where you're at right now. He's already carefully considered you in the context of what he's doing in the world. Amazing. So if God's preparing a feast for us, it's going to be a pretty good feast. <laughs> you know, if he's preparing for us, it's going to be awesome. So it's worth thinking about now. Okay, we've, we've come through the valley, or we're, have we come through the valley? Where is this table? Um, where is the table? Is it, is it at the other end of the valley of the shadow of death? Do I have to make it all the way through? Um, is it like a victory feast at the end of all of it? Maybe, but I don't think it is. Reason being, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I, I think that this feast that he prepares for us it's as we're going through the valley. You know, it's in the context of uh, hardship. So the, pres the feast that he prepares for us is in the presence of my enemies. That is an odd picture if you think about it. So consider, consider this table laid out. It's got every good thing on it. It's got all your favorite um, food on it. And standing just to one side with arms crossed and face crossed, you know, are the people who hate you. Why are they there? It's a weird picture, <laughs> but it's a table prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. I think this speaks to me of something of uh, enjoying abundance in the midst of opposition. We can know God's absolute abundance in our lives, but we do have an enemy, don't we? You know, we have an adversary. We have uh, Satan is our adversary. And we need to be wise to his schemes. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to kill our satisfaction in God. He wants to destroy our lives. And he's got a thousand different ways to do it. Um, for me, it's, it's often through uh, distraction. You know, it's, uh, it's through procrastination, things that shift my gaze from Jesus onto other lesser things. Can anyone else relate? It's, it's getting stuck in the YouTube hole, you know, or doom scrolling on Facebook, yeah? And it means that I miss out on God's best. I mean, maybe you can relate to something in your life, you know, what's your poison? Um, but in the psalm, God prepares a lavish table for us in full view, <laughs> in full view of our enemy. What's on this table anyway? You know, what is so special about this table? It's on this table, just a few of the things I could think of. There's, there's peace for your life. There's everlasting joy. There's grace that can cover every sin. There's adoption into the family. There's a sense of real, meaningful purpose for life. There's the ability to love and to be loved with the actual love of God. 
uh, Paul says in Ephesians that we, in Christ we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we have an enemy who is absolutely furious about it. Yeah? He, he wants to tear down the work of God in our lives and in the world. He wants to undermine the plans and purposes of God. But like I said, you know, we can, we can enjoy the good things of God despite opposition. He allows us to do that. And even more than that, we can actually... Uh, do you remember a few weeks ago, uh, we, we were singing songs about uh, declaring God's victory, about actually um, we're more than conquerors through Christ. We can, we can declare God's goodness in opposition to our enemies, like a sort of thankfulness as a form of counter-offensive. So we can know that actually this table is like a victory feast. Yeah? It's a victory feast that God has prepared for us. For those of us who know Jesus, we can enjoy his blessings laid out before us and know that a victory has been won. And it's a really good feast. <laughs> uh, there's an overflowing cup. There's food, there's anointing, there's wine. Uh, so <laughs> the image of the overflowing cup. So we've, we've got some, uh, some really good friends, Ruth and I. They used to come to Open Door. Uh, they live up in Scotland now. Uh, many people in the room will know Mike and Tori Swift. Um, and when it comes to hospitality, they, they taught us a thing or two about hospitality. They, they knew how to do it. They know how to do it. Uh, so we, we used to go over there sort of uh, once a month-ish, and there would be great food, there would be great chats, and there would be wine. Mike was a fan of wine. He, he had one called Jammy Red Rue. That's really nice uh, for those who actually drink. Um, but you always knew that you were welcome if your cup was full. <laughs> so, sometimes, sometimes you'd be you know, down to the end of it, and you put it down, you go to the toilet, you come back, and you're like, I'm sure that cup wasn't as empty as it was. It wasn't as full as it was just then. But I, I do love it because, you know, as the conversation's flowing, and as, as you're going into the evening, if your cup is full, you're welcome. And I see, I see that here as well. My cup overflows there's always, there's always welcome. <laughs> I, I love this picture. You know, Jesus never gets tired of us. Jesus never does that, that thing where, you know, it gets to the end of the evening, gets up and, oh, it's been lovely having you, but it's time to, no, he never does that. Never gets tired of us. I think some of us need to hear that. Um, James 4, 8 says, uh, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We've sung it this morning. This is the king of the universe we're talking about. <laughs> draw near to him and he will draw near to us. That's a promise I want to hold on to. Um, if you're anything like me, I think some of you probably are, there are times when you're tempted to feel like you're draining the dregs of Jesus' patience with you. Maybe you'll have thoughts like I do where you say, you know, I had a choice and actually I chose poorly. Um, or I'm still stuck in destructive thought patterns. Or I failed to control my anger. Whatever it might be, it's very easy to default to thinking, surely Jesus' patience must have run out with me at this point. I, I, I do. And do you know what Jesus says to that? 
Listen to this. John 6, 35 and 37. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Hallelujah. I mean, that is so good. That, that, that phrase, I will never drive away, right? In the Greek, yeah, I went there. In the Greek, that means I will never, never, like it's a super, super strong phrase. I will never, not ever drive away. This microphone's annoying me. But, you know, it's, the, it's, it's actually more like the opposite thing, actually. I will never, ever, ever, ever drive away. Jesus is, is like, magnetically drawn <laughs> to the broken and the contrite in spirit. He is, he's, he is one that is drawn to that heart. All we need to do, you know, is to come to him, accept that we're a mess, confess our sin, and in return, we get to drink deeply from his cup of blessing, and we get to find life. Um, there's a really good book that I've really, really enjoyed. Uh, it's called Gentle and Lowly by a guy called Dane Ortland. Thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it because it's, it's helped me connect with Jesus' heart. Um, and in it, Dane Ortland imagines this conversation, uh, theoretical conversation between Jesus and us. I'm going to read it out. No, wait, we say, cautiously approaching Jesus. You don't understand. I've really messed up in all kinds of ways. I know, he responds. You know most of it, sure, certainly more than what others see, but there's perversity down inside me that's hidden from everyone. I know it all. Well, the thing is, it isn't just my past. It's my present, too. I understand but I don't think if I can break free of this anytime soon. That's the only kind of person I'm here to help. The burden is heavy, and it's getting heavier all the time. Then let me carry it. It's too much to bear. Not for me. You don't get it. My offenses, then they're not directed towards others. They're against you then I am the one most suited to forgive them. But the more of the ugliness you discover, the sooner you'll get fed up with me. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Your cup overflows. In Jesus, we will always find welcome. So, are you thirsty? I know I am. You'll always find welcome as you come and as you drink. And as you drink, it will well up in you to a spring of water welling up into eternal life. So we come as we are, confident that we won't be turned away. But we don't have to stay as we are. That's good news. You might have noticed that uh, all around us in the world, um, the world is very keen to tell us, you know, you've got it what it takes. You, know, you, you have the answers inside yourself. You just need to search for the hero inside yourself. Uh, I'm not going to start singing again, don't worry. Um, 
But you know what? The story of the Bible, the, 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 the Bible teaches that this is utter rubbish. <laughs> you know, uh, it's completely false. The, the Bible teaches the opposite. It says that when man does what is right in his own eyes, things fall apart. And we only need to look at the state of the world to realize that that's true. So the Bible says what I bring to the table is not enough. This passage talks about anointing our head with oil. Uh, there, there are lots of ways. Like this, this imagery is so rich. There's lots of ways that you could look at this. Uh, but, but here it's in the context of hospitality, of a feast. Okay? Um, so it's, it's a practice in the, in the Middle East, in the ancient Middle East, where it's hot and it's sweaty, um, to anoint someone as an act of hospitality with perfumed oil uh, that would release a pleasing aroma and run down onto the face, onto the body, and make it shine, okay? Uh, you'll, you'll notice um, there's a passage in Mark 14 uh, where the woman anoints Jesus' head with oil as an act of extravagant and beautiful worship. Do you remember that bit? Um, and actually, there's evidence from the ancient world uh, in Egypt uh, that at special occasions, guests uh, at banquets would have had this sort of a, a cone on their head filled with this perfumed wax. I found out about this. Really interesting. So you can see there that they've got these sort of cone of perfumed wax on their heads, and the idea is through the evening it would melt, right? And it would melt down onto the body, make the body shine, release a pleasing aroma, and sort of mitigate the effects of the hot, sweaty Middle East, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so God is the host of our meal here. He's the one who lays the table before us. And as I was pondering this picture, I thought, this is, a, this is a beautiful picture, actually, because we come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. <laughs> Who's the one who actually makes us acceptable? Who is the one who makes our lives a pleasing aroma? It's him. It's him. <laughs> I love it. You know, we, we come, we're grubby, we're... We're filthy, we're a bit smelly, but because he loves us, he changes us bit by bit. He justifies us and he sanctifies us. It's over time as we spend time in his presence, as we spend time in his word, as we fellowship with one another, he changes us. I love it. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave me as I am. What a feast. What what an extravagant God we've got. Uh, I think this is one of Olu's favorite, uh, favorite verses. He said it today. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. A feast like this is incredible. But who knows that it doesn't come free. It's a costly banquet. It costs something. It's incredibly costly to the one who's provided it. So we're going to look at Jesus. You know, Jesus sat down at many tables, but at the Last Supper, he sat down at a prepared table in the presence of one who he thought was his friend, 
but turned out to be an enemy. He prepared to be utterly betrayed by Judas. How heartbreaking for him. And yet it was for love that he endured it. Jesus was anointed with fragrant oil, as we've seen in Mark 14. He was also anointed with myrrh and aloes as the women prepared him for bodily burial. Jesus surrendered himself to death so that he could break the power of death. And then, you know, Jesus, Jesus was there in the garden. He was praying the night before he was crucified and he saw a cup, the cup of God's wrath that was meant for us and yet he drank it. He drank that cup until there was nothing left. And in doing so, he took on himself all the judgment that was rightfully ours. We go free because Jesus did not let the cup pass from him. Ah, the outworking of Jesus' incredible sacrifice is that we get to enjoy all the blessings of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> but actually, it's not just that we get to enjoy the blessings of God. We get to enjoy God himself. We get to enjoy a relationship with Jesus, who is the unchanging, ultimately loving, supreme, sovereign mind behind every good and perfect gift. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Jesus is that true feast laid out on the table. And he's given himself to us. Shall we enjoy him? He's enabled us to live a life filled with every spiritual blessing which is centered on that joyful, loving relationship with God. So who wants to know Jesus' love? Who wants to respond to that? Who wants to know Jesus better and experience the life he brings as a result 